Section 12 of Journal of the Reverend Francis Asbury, Volume 3. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Brian Keenan. Wednesday 20. My subject at the new chapel, Georgetown Crossroads, was First Timothy 4, 2. We had a living season. Our brethren from Chestertown came to meet us, and to convey us forward with more ease. Save me from parade. The greatest goodwill and the kindest intentions will never make it acceptable in my eyes. I choose rather to go on in my own way, though I suffer for it. The new chapel in Chestertown is elegantly planned. Brother Watcote first preached in it. We dined at Solomon Brady's. Blessed be God, there are some still left of this family to show us kindness, and renew the remembrance of kindness shown twenty-five years ago. We came on to Dr. Allen's. He has been strangely kept alive for about seventy years in many infirmities. Saturday 23. I preached at Easton on Second Thessalonians 3, 1. It was a gracious season for preachers and people. I spoke at eleven o'clock, and I advised the brethren to have preaching at three o'clock and at night. My subjects for the past week have been generally prayer and preaching the word. On the Sabbath day we had a love feast. Our exercises were closed by my reading the extraordinary accounts I had received of the work of God in the south and west of our continent. Preaching began on Hebrews 6.1 at 11 o'clock, and a more solemn assembly I think I never saw. Brother Watcote spoke in the afternoon and James Moore exhorted, clothed with power and full of love. Never was preacher more respected in Talbot than our brother Moore. Dr. Allen's was our lodging place for three nights. It seems as if the whole peninsula must be methodized. Twenty-five years of faithful labors, and the consistent lives of our brethren, generally, have worn down prejudice, so that many who will not live will nevertheless, when they are sick, send for the preachers, that they may die Christians. Monday 25 We set out for Dover Ferry, and missing our way, rode an additional twelve miles. Arriving, we found it impassable. Such was the violence of the weather. We took shelter with Mrs. Dickinson. On Tuesday the storm increased and on Wednesday I rode to Cambridge and crossed Choptank. I preached at Cambridge on 2 Corinthians 6, 2, and returned to the former residence of Henry Ennels, deceased. Thursday 28 I preached at Foster's Chapel on 1 Peter 1, 4, and came along to Major Mitchell's in Carolyn. The wind was east, the evening cold, and I unwell. At Denton I took to bed a while. We continued on, however, and reached Choptank. On Saturday I rode, under great bodily affliction, to Duck Creek Town. I was under the necessity of submitting to bleeding, tooth-drawing, and the operation of cathartics. I sat in our conference, held in the Friends' Meeting House, four days. We had nearly one hundred preachers, traveling and local, present for the transaction of business. 
Twelve elders and twelve deacons were ordained. On Friday I rode over on a visit to the daughters of Thomas White, Sarah and Anna. I found the children of my once dear friend at Mr. Cook's. Saturday, May 7. I went very unwell to Wilmington. Next day, Sunday, we had frost and snow. I was very unwell and kept my room. On Monday I attended to the altering of the minutes, with Thomas Jones, my secretary. Pennsylvania, Tuesday 10. We came into the city of Philadelphia. The rain brought on my intermitting fever. Yet, unwell as I was, conditional appointments had been made by my friends. But instead of the pulpit, I took to my room. My journey from Baltimore to this city has brought me over about 350 miles. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, I remained in Philadelphia, most of the time confined to my room. The spirit of contention and church divisions adds distress of mind to my bodily afflictions of colds and intermittents. I crept out upon the Sabbath day and preached at St. George's, on 2 Peter 1, 5-9. My voice was weak, and some could not hear, but it was a searching sermon and in season. We set out on Monday and reached Burlington by twelve o'clock. I crossed over and preached in our new house in the solitary town of Bristol. James Sterling and Thomas Ware accompanied me. New Jersey, Tuesday, 17. We rode to Joseph Hutchinson's, and next day came to Elizabethtown and lodged at Mr. Crowell's. On Thursday we reached New York. My weakness continued. Many subjects and persons engaged my thoughts and my attention. But the best of all is, God is with me in all my troubles, sharp and strong. New York On Friday and Saturday I did a little in writing, talking, planning, and thinking. I can hear, see, or feel no more of religion here than there was last year. I signed a memorial for the obtaining in the court a legal claim to three hundred pounds left by Miss de Paster, for the bishops and clergy of the Methodist Church, to be appropriated in the best manner for the good of the society. Sunday 22 I preached at the old church John Street, from James 3, 17. 1. The wisdom that cometh from above is revealed and inspired. It is pure, negatively. It is not mixed by its divine author with that wisdom which is earthly, sensual, and devilish. It is not mixed with the policy, or pleasures, or profits of this world, or of sin, which is of hell. The apostle hath written pure religion, and this it cannot be when mingled with such qualities, all of which spring from men or devils. 2. The wisdom that cometh from above is pure, positively. It is pure in conviction, repentance, faith, regeneration, and sanctification. It is the operative principles of grace in the soul, as internally and externally manifested. It is peaceable in relation to God, and all mankind, to the church, and the world, 
and the tranquil state of the soul. It is gentle, soft, amiable in all its administrations, never stormy or sour or haughty or overbearing. Easy to be entreated, to do and suffer anything that is right and reasonable, for the glory of God, and for the good of our own, and the souls of others. Impartiality. This is the Christian dress. Not bound and pinched by countries, names, forms, and opinions. Neither does it envy the rich on account of their riches, nor neglect the poor on account of their poverty. Without hypocrisy, sincerity is the incontestable evidence to God and man of our possession of the heavenly treasure of that wisdom that cometh from above. And people may go upon fancies, and be ready to die with raptures, but if they are turbulent, ungovernable, self-willed, and false towards their fellow men, or towards their God, their religion is vain. Whatever it may once have been, it is not the gold of the sanctuary now, but a counterfeit, alloyed by a mixture of the wisdom of this world. After Brother Wadcote had preached in the afternoon, I gave them an exhortation. A bread factory caught fire and occasioned a great alarm and bustle. Plenty of water and the great activity of the citizens prevented the flames from spreading. Monday 23 I rode twenty-two miles to the widow Sherwood's and preached at four o'clock on Hebrews 4, 9-11. through 11. Next day we called at Nicholas Underhill's and dined, and exhorted and prayed with the family. At the White Plains I preached on 1 John 2, 15. It was the time of the court's sitting, which, together with a want of information respecting the appointment made for me, caused but a thin congregation. We lodged at Moses Fowler's, and the next day reached Bedford, where Brother Whitecoat preached. Connecticut. On the morrow we reached Reading, passing through Ridgefield, and I preached in Aaron Hunt's house upon Colossians 3, 12, 13. The text itself is a sermon. Friday 27. Finding the road, by information, to be rocky and hilly, we were persuaded to come back to the post road. We therefore directed our course down through Greenfield and Bridgeport to Stratford and arriving at Elkin and Wheeler's, we were willing to rest. Thirty miles of our journey we made without feeding man or beast. My health is better, but the labor of riding, and the inconvenience occasioned by the dust raised by the chase in advance of us, made me feel a little like Jonah. My soul is often led out after God. My treasure and pleasure is Christ and the service of His church. The Baptists of Connecticut have sent their petition from the Assembly to the Legislature of Connecticut, to the bishops of the Methodist Church, that they may have their aid in obtaining toleration. What can we do, and how is it our business? We are neither popes nor politicians. Let our brethren assert their own liberties. Besides, who may now be trusted with power? The Baptists are avowed enemies to episcopacy be the form of church government as mild as it may. Now, it seems, popes, as they would otherwise term us, may be useful to them, 
nor are they too proud to ask for help. But our people will not be pushed into their measures. Their bishops have no coercive power of this sort. If the Baptists know not what to do, we cannot tell them. Sunday 29. We came to Middletown. As it was the hour of devotion, we stepped into the separate meeting-house, and heard a certain Mr. Greaves preach. At five o'clock Brother Watcoat, after some demurring, was permitted to preach. When he was done, the old women controverted his doctrine of sanctification. I told you so. The work of God revives at New Haven, and Satan's emissaries rage, and those who are too good to be better oppose. Monday 30. We crossed Connecticut River at Rocky Hill, and came on to Kelsom, twenty-five miles. I preached at four o'clock on Second Peter 5, 6-9, and ordained Daniel Burroughs a deacon. Tuesday 31. We came to Wyndham, twenty miles, and had some rain. Brother Whitecoat preached. After refreshing ourselves with Mr. Harris and his kind family at Brooklyn, we came on through Pomfret, and thence to Thompson, where I preached at four o'clock upon Galatians 5, 22-26. And thus ended the labors of Wednesday. Massachusetts, Thursday, June 2. At Milford in Massachusetts, Brother Watcoat preached at five o'clock, and on Friday I made at Needham an improvement on 1 Peter 5.10. On each of the last two days we have traveled thirty miles. I have read some letters giving an account of the work of God at the South. Some in our eastern congregations wonder, if they do not believe. Since we left Baltimore, we have made 712 miles. Saturday 4. We have had a gracious rain. My mind is in peace, but such perpetual motion wearies the flesh and flags the spirits. Poor New England! She is the valley of dry bones still. Come, O breath of the Lord, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. Sunday 5. Brother Watcoat at Waltham spoke upon Hebrews 8, 10-12. I dropped a few hints upon Hebrews 2, 1-3. We receive good news from the South. We rest, we write, we read, and lay plans for the Boston Conference. Wednesday 8. We came through dust to Boston, and as eighteen members were present, we opened the conference in our solitary little chapel. We sat six hours a day for the dispatch of business, and there was preaching at eleven and five o'clock, and in the evening. It was all new, but nothing special appeared. Saturday, eleven. We ordained Joshua Soule and Nathan Emery elders, and Edward Whittle deacon. As our work was done, and we were feeble, we came away to Walton. It is no time to journalize, but I may remark that we had great peace in our conference, and that we have an increase of five hundred members. I lodged at Mrs. Woodard's, and was kindly and comfortably entertained. The great wants of Boston are good religion and good water. 
how can this city and Massachusetts be in any other than a melancholy state? Worse, perhaps, for true piety than any other parts of the Union. What? Reading priests and alive? Oh, no. Dead, dead, dead. By nature. By formality. By sin. Sunday 12. I preached at Waltham Chapel on 1 Peter 4, 18. On Monday I rested and made ready for the tour to Ashgrove. Long-wanted rain overtook us on our road to Havard, and we came in dripping to Caleb Sawyer's. Here I was pleased with the decency, piety, and simplicity of manners of both parents and children. At a small schoolhouse, two miles distant, Brother Watco preached. On Wednesday we came on to Lominster, twelve miles, and dined at Silas Willard's. At four o'clock I preached on 1 Corinthians 1, 30. It is in this town we crossed the Nashua River, which empties into the Merrimack. I will not mention names, but I could tell of a congregation that sold their priest to another congregation in Boston, for the sum of one thousand dollars, and hired out the money at the unlawful interest of twenty-five or thirty per cent. Lord, have mercy upon the priest and people that can think of buying the kingdom of heaven with money. How would it tell to the South that priests were among the notions of Yankee traffic? New Hampshire, Thursday, 16. We came to Ebenezer Colburn's New Hampshire, and I preached upon Titus 2, 11, 12. We had an open time, a baptism, and sacrament. Next day we labored through extreme heat, and over high hills, to Marlborough, and were glad to rest ourselves at Ebenezer Herricks, opposite the west side of the great mountain called Monadnik. This portion of the state of New Hampshire is full of hemlock swamps, and I question if any part of the Allegheny, south, is more broken. The roads, however, are greatly improved, and there is a turnpike extending from Boston to Keene. The soil, though barren, exhibits, in its abundant productions of grass, oats, barley, rye, and potatoes, what the arm of labor and habits of economy and industry will do. Outdoors there is a well-kept stock of cattle, sheep, and hogs, and indoors you see plenty of cheese, butter, and milk, and fish from the mill-ponds, which are wonderfully frequent, producing the finest trout and pike. The people are pictures of health, and appear to be of the old English stamina. Saturday, 18. We journeyed through the vale and pleasant town of Keene, and climbed along, height after height, towards Walpole. Seven miles off, upon the southwest, we turned and came to Westmoreland, and held our quarterly meeting for a Chesterfield circuit at Jonathan Winchester's, brother to the famous Universalist of that name. I opened the meeting in a new barn, upon Titus 2, 13, 14. On the Sabbath we were crowded from seven o'clock in the morning until three in the afternoon. The wind from the southeast blew in at the door, and it rained withal. Brother Watcote and Elder Ostrander preached before, and the young men exhorted after love feast and the sacrament. Monday 20. 
we came over the mighty hills to Chesterfield. Here we called upon John Bishop, and at four o'clock a few were got together, to whom I gave a lecture upon Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Next day we crossed the Connecticut River at Bennett's Ferry, and came into the city of Brattleboro, stopping at Joseph Jacobs's. We are now in Vermont. The stupendous steeps on each side of the river resemble those at Harper's Ferry, and the precipitous heights of the North River. We have ridden 850 miles since we left Baltimore. My mind enjoys a great calm, and I have faith to believe that as God is working gloriously in other parts of the continent, he will make a display of his power even here, and bid the dry bones live. I hope to hear of it at the Ashgrove Conference. Vermont, Wednesday, 22. We had a meeting at a schoolhouse near to Joseph Jacobs's in Guilford. Brother Watcote preached upon the perfect law of liberty, and we had a gracious season. As we could not consent to wait three days for Whittingham quarterly meeting, we, on Thursday, took the track to Bennington, the mountain notwithstanding. We had been advised to go round nearly one hundred miles. We passed through Brattleboro, Marlboro, Wilmington, and the skirts of several other small towns. Our dinner we took with D. Mixon, and continued on to William Perry's, thirty-five miles. Our journey today was quite in the old style, Braddock's Road, over the Allegheny Mountain. On Friday evening we reached Ashgrove, twenty-eight miles, by four o'clock. Weary men and tired horses. I have good health, severe temptations, but no murmuring or ill-temper. I am once more in Cambridge, state of New York. New York, Saturday, 25. I spent in reading, writing, meditation, and prayer. Sabbath 26. At our church at Ashgrove, I spoke upon Colossians 4, 2, 3. We had a quickening time. When I came across the mountain, I found the season was exceeding dry, and was led out in prayer that the Lord would graciously give us of the fruits of the earth, and be merciful to man and beast. Our exercises of faith and prayer, I believe, were not unavailing. On Saturday and Sunday we had rain, and now the same blessings of a spiritual nature are wanting, for which we wrestle with our God, and I believe souls will be converted at this conference. Luther Bishop, a young boy, preached on the Sabbath day, and so we will continue every evening until next Monday or Tuesday week, stroke after stroke with the rod of the Lord, like Moses, until the waters of repentance flow from hearts of rock. On Monday, Brother Watko preached. My subject on Tuesday was Romans 2, 7. We rested at John Baker's. On Wednesday, the elders did not appear, and I was obliged to hold forth again. My text, Psalm 102, 13-17. By deaths and removals, this Ashgrove society is diminished, but there will be a revival at this conference. This is a very eligible place for Albany, York, Genesee, Pittsfield, and Vermont districts, but the conference ought to be divided between the two old societies of York and Ashgrove. On Thursday I had to preach again. 
Friday, July 1. We opened our conference at John Baker's, in the Holloway, prettily environed with hills, a carpet of green spread beneath, and here and there around us fields clothed with the promise of an abundant harvest. We finished our business on Tuesday, public and private. There were nearly seventy preachers and fifty members. On the Sabbath day, perhaps we had two thousand hearers. The house was filled with women, and the men stood without. I stood in the door and spoke to them from 1 Timothy 4, 11, 12. But I had been overcome by twelve hours a day constant attention to business in the conference, and spoke with pain. Wednesday 6. We came to Pittstown, dined with Mr. Follett, and came on to the Half Moon, thirty miles, and lodged at John Barber's. These two villages increase. On Thursday we came through Albany, and stopped to dine at Dole's Tavern, three miles beyond. Here Brother Watcote discovered that he had left my coat and my cloak behind. I bore the loss with some patience. Finding we had two hundred miles to reach Trenton, and only six days to accomplish the distance in, we continued on to Blastdale's, at Cayman's Landing. Reflecting on this, and the journey of fourteen hundred miles still to Kentucky, and Brother Watcote's indisposition withal, I felt somewhat moved. On Friday we came to John Crawford's, near the Catskill Mountains, making thirty-five miles without food for man or beast. On Saturday we reached Coles, at Hurleytown, on Esopus Creek. The draught and heat and dust, in nine hundred and ninety miles from Baltimore to this place, made us suffer. But my mind was supported, and my health preserved. At Hurley we called a few attentive people together, to whom I dispensed the word of life on Hebrews eleven twenty-five. Monday 11. We rose at four o'clock and came off at six, and at twelve stopped at Mr. Ostrander's. In this happy family we found the son of peace. We came on to New Windsor, through Newburgh, to John Ellis's, making forty miles. Were I to listen to the murmurs of people, I might bring myself into dreadful business. Feeling my unworthiness, I the more readily forgive their complaints. Indeed, their censure is far more safe for me than their praise. I have traveled about two hundred miles through the state of New York. By a fair and accurate computation, I judge that we have added, exclusive of the dead, the removed, and the expelled, and withdrawn, 17,300. Our total for the year 1803 are 104,070 members. In 1771, there were about 300 Methodists in New York, 250 in Philadelphia, and a few in Jersey. I then longed for 100,000. Now I want 200,000. Nay, thousands upon thousands. End of section 12. Recording by Brian Keenan.